You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. We are talking about service today, and I do want to emphasize again, like I have been the last few weeks, that when it comes to service, um, just like the other areas, motives matter. Okay, Motives are important. Um, because you can serve for a lot of different reasons. And so to kind of give you an idea, um, if you've probably ever dealt with customer service on the phone, um, there may be a time in your past, I'm not saying for sure, where you may have been a little bit rude to the person on the other end of the phone line, whether it's um, Comcast, you know, that might happen a lot, or whether it's another company where you're you're calling and and you're upset about something, and, and, you know, you may be to the point where you're very, very mean to the person, very rude to the person, And if they're a good employee, um, they are just going to calmly answer you and try to help you with your questions and and serve you, right? So they're serving you, but on the inside, right, what what are they thinking in that moment? Do you think they really care that your Wi-Fi is down? Like, they probably had nothing to do with the problem that you're, you're having right now, and yet you're yelling at them over the phone. And so, yeah, they're serving you, but on the inside, they're writing down your address that's on file, and they're going to go to your house and make sure you never have Wi-Fi again, right? That's what they want to do. And so motives are important. Um, as Christians, we can serve for a variety of different reasons, but we should be serving as a response to the gospel. Okay, so we, um, as Christians, we don't serve out of fear of what people may think. Well, pastor said that we're supposed to serve, so I should probably sign up for something, or I should try to help my neighbor with something. Like, that's not why we do it, okay? And by the way, I'm not um, driving around spying on you, seeing whether or not you serve, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, We also don't serve to make ourselves look better. Um, The Pharisees in the Gospels were um, great at this. They would blow trumpets, and they would have people shout um, every time they gave money to someone who was poor. It was ridiculous. It was just all a big show. Um, they, would, they would fast, and they would look like they were just so upset and hurt because they wanted you to ask them so they could say, I'm fasting for God. And it was all a show. We don't serve out of that. We don't do that um, to make ourselves look better. We don't serve out of guilt. Okay, we don't, oh, I'm guilty, so I better do this. And that's going to that's gonna last for a little while. And there's a lot of leaders that use that tactic. They try to guilt trip um, their church to do certain things. And it may work. It's effective for a little while, but it's going to be hollow and exhausting in the end. So, so there's a lot of different reasons um, that you can serve. And the biggest thing um, that I don't want you to do is you never serve for God's acceptance. Okay, that's what separates biblical Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion says, do, 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 and Christianity says, done. It's done. We don't serve. We don't come to church. We don't give our money. We don't help our neighbors. We don't sign up for stuff to try to earn God's acceptance. The only way we can have his acceptance is by turning and trusting in him and what he's done for us on the cross. That's the only way. And so as Christians, we serve more than anything as a response to or an overflow of what the gospel has done in our hearts. So to kind of remind you, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news about what Jesus Christ has done to reconcile sinners to God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus loved us enough that even though we were broken, even though we sinned, even though we rebelled against him, he loved us enough to come to this world, to live in our place, to bear our sins, to absorb the wrath of God on our behalf, and to die on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from the dead to show that his sacrifice was accepted, that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now all who will turn to him and trust in him can be saved from their sins. They can have 
God's approval. They can have God's acceptance. We go from rebels to beloved sons and daughters. Amazing. Isn't it amazing that God calls us his beloved? That God, the creator, and I often say we have this idea that God is like um, an old man up on a throne just overlooking the earth. But the earth for God is more like a marble that he can carry around in his pocket. Like he's so majestic. Like get, get a grand view of God and then let it hit you that he loves you as his beloved. It's incredible. That's the gospel. And so it's out of that that there's this overflow of I want to serve because of what he's done for me. I serve because Jesus first served me. I love because Jesus first loved me. And so that's our motive. And, and we've been walking through all these different categories because we're looking over our mission which says we exist to spread a passion for the glory of Jesus in Port Austin and beyond. And while that's exciting, sometimes that can kind of hang in the air. And what I wanted to do this year is bring it down to the ground and say, what does it look like if we do this? And I said, we need to be devoted to four areas, worship, community, service, and multiplication. And so this week, we're on service, and we're going to unpack what that is. And we're going to do similar to what we have been doing by asking the three questions. And, and remember, these are more like family traits than anything else. These are what we do as followers of Jesus. It's in our nature now. He's redeemed us. He's given us new hearts. And it's a response to the gospel that we live these out. And so we're going to look through John 13. And we're going to ask, what is service? Why is it important? And how do we practice it? Right? This month has been really easy for outlines for me because I'm using the same questions and I just changed the word. And even the slides are really easy. I just add a word instead of, instead of the last one. But it's a good way to kind of approach these because I want you to understand what are these categories. They're not just words that we're going to put on the walls or in a bulletin. We're going to live these out. And so um, let's start in uh, the first one. What is service? If you remember, I defined it as attending to the needs of others as an expression of God's grace and love. Now I want you to see how that plays out in our passage today. In John chapter 13, in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Man, we could say so much about those few verses, but we've got to keep going. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. This is the essence of service. Right here, Jesus sees a need, and he attends to it. But what should shock us about this is the fact that this is God in the flesh. Okay, this is the creator of the world. Who I just said could put the, put the world in his pocket as a marble. Okay, the Bible says that Jesus created all things. He created them. Um, they were created by him and for him. He made it all and he came to this world and he, he's washing his disciples' feet. I love how one preacher put it. He said, he who had the world at his feet chose to come and wash the feet of the world. This is the most beautiful display of service apart from the cross. It was just the ultimate display that Jesus, God in the flesh, the one who created them, is now on his hands and knees washing their feet. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world is going on here? Um, in the culture of that day, um, you usually uh, walked around with open-toed shoes of some sort, kind of like sandals. And you'd walk around and it was really dusty and dry and dirty. And so when you walked into a house, it was a cultural practice to have your feet washed. 
And normally it was the slave's job, and normally it was the lowest of the low of slaves that would come and wash your feet. Okay, So this is like a low task, but it's very normal that it takes place um, because you know feet are dirty. And by the way, it's still a good practice to wash your feet today, um, even though we don't do it when you come into people's houses. Although after having like 20 or 30 teens in our house, I'm um, having them all take off their shoes. I'm wondering if we should have de- did it that day. I'm just saying, uh, for, for like two hours, we had the, the doors open trying to air out that apartment. Um, but anyways, um, so this is a cultural practice of the day. And since it's not something we do today, I want to try to, to use an illustration that may help. I want you to think in your mind of like the most um, prestigious person that you could ever have over at your house, Okay. Um, like someone who you really look up to or um, you, you, they would never probably come over. But like in this scenario, put it in your head that they're at your house, they're for dinner. Okay. And you're all sitting at the table and this person gets up and he goes into your bathroom, but he leaves the door open. And you're kind of like, what's going on in there? Right. And so, you know, there's a few minutes go by and you walk over and you kind of glance in and you see this person on his hands and knees just scrubbing at your toilet. Right? I mean, just getting in there, like, he, he opened the, the, the bathroom counter, he got all your cleaning supplies, he's just in there scrubbing your toilet. Like, would that not be somewhat shocking, maybe a little humiliating, and, and you're like, hey, and he's just like, who, you know, who can't aim in here? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they're, they're just cleaning away, scrubbing. You'd be embarrassed, you'd be shocked, you'd be bewildered, like, what is going on here? And, and that is what is happening here. The, the, the lowest of the lows job, Jesus, their leader, their follower, and who they also confessed as God is on his hands and knees scrubbing them dirty feet. That's what's going on here. So I don't know who you pictured um, that, that was in your house. I was going to say the president, but then I was like, some of you probably would like it if, if he would come scrub your toilet. So I was like, let's not use that. But whoever it is that you pictured, a celebrity, um, a, a sports star, whoever it is, think of them washing your feet. And then, then times that by like a billion, God in the flesh is in there washing these disciples' feet. If that's not service, I don't know what is. Humbly attending to the needs of others. And so we're going to continue in verse 6 where Peter is rightfully disturbed by this. I mean, he is just, he's upset by what's going on here. In verse 6, then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now this cracks me up because Peter, he's always like jumping to one side, right? Like all throughout the story, um, it's really encouraging for me to look at Peter and be like, Jesus loved him, so I know he can love me. But he's always like putting his foot in his mouth and just going to the extreme of either way. Like at the high point of his moment in his ministry of Jesus, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then a few verses later, Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, man, going from high to low in just moments. And so here we go again. Peter, um, he sees this going on. He's just upset. Right? I mean, Jesus shouldn't be washing their feet. What is going on? And so Jesus gets to him. And he says, Jesus, you ain't never going to wash my feet. And Jesus is like, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part in me. He's like, well, then give me a bath. Like, jumps to the other extreme, right? Like, that's Peter. And I love Christ's patience, his grace with Peter, his love for Peter. Because, again, it's a reminder that, man, I'm messed up, but Jesus still loves me. And he can still use me, apparently, because he used Peter. And, and so he, he tells him, he says, you don't understand this, but you'll get it in a minute. You'll get it when I, when I explain it to you. And in verse 10, Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed... Needeth not to save, 
needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, ye are not all clean. So what he's saying is, Peter didn't understand that, yes, this is an act of service, but it's also Jesus trying to teach something. He's trying to give a spiritual lesson. And what he's basically saying is that if, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you are saved, then you're clean. You don't need a whole other bath, Peter. So calm down a little bit. You don't, you don't need an entire bath. You're already clean. Um, but as Christians walking through this world, we can get dirty at times. And so we need periodic cleansing of our feet. That's, that's what he's saying. That's why repentance and confession is so important as Christians. And the more you grow as a follower of Jesus, you'll, you'll be able to know by when you sin, how soon you go to the cross. How soon you go to Jesus the moment you sin. Because that's, the more you grow in your understanding of the gospel, the more you grow as a follower of Jesus, the more you realize that he is not looking to hit you over the head every time you mess up. He's looking to extend grace and forgiveness that you would grow. And so the moment you sin, you go to Jesus immediately. And, and the Bible says if we forgive, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That means he's faithful, he'll do it every time, and he's just because you have Christ's righteousness now. So it would be unjust for him to not forgive you. It's an amazing thing that, that we can go to him every time we sin, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the picture that Jesus is trying to give here. And notice it says that not all of you are clean. That means that there was someone in that group that wasn't a Christian, that wasn't a believer. And we know that that's Judas. And yet he still washes Judas' feet. So I want you to think of like the worst enemy. I mean, the person in your life that just, just saying their name just makes you cringe. Okay? Judas is about to sell him out for money, and they're going to hang him on a cross with nails. I don't think the, the person in your life has done something quite as bad as that. Jesus, knowing this is about to take place, is on his hands and knees washing his feet. Think of that. There's no act too low when it comes to service as Christians. There's no person that we don't serve. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. We have been forgiven of all of our sin. We who were dirty are now clean. We who didn't deserve service were served. And so we serve others. So, so this is service. It's attending to the needs of others as an, an expression of God's grace and love. Secondly, why is service important? To answer this, we'll pick up in the story again in verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. As I was reading this, as Jesus was unpacking why service is so important, um, I, I, I saw four things that just kind of jumped out, and we're going to go through them quickly. But the first thing I see is that service is important because Jesus commands it. I mean, he straight up tells them in verse 13 and 14, do you know what I've done to you? I'm your master and Lord, okay? I'm, I'm the one that spoke you into existence. I'm the one that created all this, okay? And not only that, I'm your, your leader as disciples. You follow me. And, and he's like, that's right, that's good. And look what I did to you. Now I want you to go do that. 
So Jesus commands it. And sometimes we as Christians, we can be guilty of forgetting the fact that, yes, he loves us. Yes, we're his beloved. Yes, yes, he cares for us. And, and he, he loves us and he gives us grace and mercy. But he's still our master. He's still our creator. He's still our Lord. And we still obey him. And, and if you ask, why do you do this? And why do you do this stuff? And what are, what, what are these certain things that we do? Why do we meet on Sunday? Why do we baptize by immersion? Why do we do the different things that we do? And most of the time my answer is because Jesus told us to. Because Jesus told us to and he's our master. I don't call the shots. And, and so when I hear a Christian, someone who says they're a Christian, say, yeah, I know that's in the Bible, but I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I can't think of a more arrogant position to be in. Like, Jesus is our Lord. He said to do this. Why would we not do it? And can I say that when we obey Jesus, it's for our joy. We're always stepping into greater joy when we obey. He loves us. He brings us into where he has designed us to live. That's why in Colossians 3 it says we're being renewed after the image of him that created us. We're, we're being restored back to where we were supposed to be before sin entered. And so the first reason we serve is because Jesus told us to. And he's our Lord, and we want to obey him. He's done everything for us. Let's listen to what he told us to do. The next reason I see is because it's how we follow Jesus. He says in verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. And so what he's saying is, I've given you an example, now I want you to go do it as followers of me. Remember what a disciple is. It's a follower of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. There's not... Christians, and then there's disciples. We're, a Christian is a disciple. A Christian is someone who's been saved, complete gift of God, but now they're following Jesus as Lord. That, that's a Christian. That's evidence that the Spirit has regenerated them. Okay? And so as Christians, we follow Jesus. That's literally who we are. That's what we do. And he's saying, here's a real easy way. Here's a real simple way that I can break it down for you that you follow me by just doing what I just did for you. By serving. So service is how we follow Jesus. Third, it reminds us to be humble. Verse 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So a lot of times we're guilty of, of looking down our noses at others. And I think the reason why we do this, I heard a preacher say this a couple weeks ago, and I was just laughing. It's because we compare our strengths with other people's weaknesses. Like if, if we could just like say what we're thinking about someone else, um, and someone in the room heard us saying, they'd be like, that's absurd. What are you doing? And, and I think the preacher used the illustration. He said, I can't believe that that, that guy treats his wife like that. I work really hard um, for my wife and kids. You're like, wait, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, that person, that, he treats his wife bad. But man, I'm working like 50, 60 hours a week for my wife. And what we do is we, we take the strength and we compare it to a weakness of others. And then we think we're good. And, and we're deceiving ourselves. Like, how, how is working more better than... Then this guy treat like what are you talking about? Like, do you, is your wife even happy that you're working that much? Like, what you're doing is you're taking your very best thing and you're comparing it to the weak thing over here, and you think you're good. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying if we think that we're greater than other people, if we we see ourselves above other people, we're not going to serve them. But by serving them, it's going to remind us of how low Christ went for us, and how low we should be willing to go for others. The final reason I see is because obedience in this area, this is why service is so important. Obedience in this area leads to joy. Verse 17, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Man, everybody's looking for happiness today. I just want to be happy. There you go. If you'll just do this, you'll be happy. 
I love what one preacher said. He said, to know these truths concerning humility and unselfishness and service is one thing. But one can know them and never practice them. The real value and blessedness lie in doing them. That, that's where the blessing comes. That's where the joy comes. And, and I have to tell you, it's amazing how quickly the mountains in your life will become little hills when we start serving others. When we get our eyes off of our problems and off of ourselves, and we start serving others and meeting their needs, uh, suddenly the, the big mountain in our life is just pretty small. A, a little illustration. When I'm struggling because uh, maybe you're in college and you're struggling because you don't have the money to pay for your bill. But then you find out that this person just lost their, their mother or their father to cancer and you're trying to comfort them. You're not too worried about your bill right then. And, and so often we are not happy. We're not experiencing blessing. We're not living joyful Christian lives because we're so self-centered. We are consumed with ourselves. And you're going to say, well, I'm not, that very, I'm not that selfish. Here, I'll give you a test. Next time you look at a picture, and you're in the picture, who's the first person you look at? And look at most of the time, right? Like we just, oh, how do I look in this picture? It's always about us. We're, we're naturally self-centered. But Jesus is saying, if we could just get our eyes off of ourselves and look at others, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't be so upset by the problems in our life all the time. And, and Jesus is about to go to the cross. Talk about problems. Talk about like something that would cause major anxiety and stress in his life. And, he, and he's concerned about making sure his disciples' feet aren't dirty. That's service. And there's joy in serving Jesus because we get our eyes off of our problems and we start living for him. And it's what we're created to do. To follow Jesus. To be made in his image. And, and to be conformed to his image over time. And the more we serve, the more we grow like Jesus. So lastly, how do we practice this? Let's bring this down to the ground. Let's get really practical because, again, a lot of times we can hear a sermon and, and we're encouraged by it. But what does that look like in our day-to-day -day life? And I think the easiest way to kind of begin applying this to our lives is to start with concentric circles. So start close and work your way out. And so for me, this would begin with Shannon. I should look at her as my first ministry. How am I serving my wife? I'm commanded to love her like Christ loved the church. That's a, that's a tough task. If you, if you aren't sure, that's a really tough task, okay? And so my first job as a husband is to serve her. She's first. And so you know what that means? Uh, there's not a job that she does and a job that I do. Well, you do the dishes, I'll take out the trash, you do. No, I want to serve her. Am I perfect at it? No. Now, I could say that I am because she's back there, but she'll listen later. I'm not perfect at this, but one of the ways I try to do this is I, I just try to help around the house. I just try to ask her, is there anything I can do to help more? Is there anything going on in your life that I could, that I could serve you? Uh, you know what? Another way I do this? By listening. Man, we're bad at this. We, we like to give advice, but sometimes they just want to talk to us. And so be quiet and listen. That's serving. And don't let your, don't let your mind wander about the sports game or all the stuff you got to do. Listen to your wife. That's how you serve her. Wife, same thing. How can you serve your husband? I'm not going to give you an idea. We're going to move on, okay? But seriously, that's the first one. That's, we, we should be servants in the home. Can you imagine a home where we are trying to outdo one another and showing honor, like I said last week? Oh, man, she washed the dishes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean the baseboards. Oh, she did this. I'm going to do this. And we're just, we're just serving each other. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And then our children who are in the home can see that. They can see the gospel on display. People who come over, they can see the service. We don't talk bad about one another behind their backs. We love each other. We're serving one another. That's the first one. Next, this would probably be your kids in the next circle. 
I don't have kids yet, but um, your kids are probably next in line if you do have kids. And so what does this mean? This means that even though it's easier to just do something a lot of times, maybe you should take the time to train your children how to do it. It's a lot easier when I have nieces and nephews over to just put them down for their naps and do the cleaning for them. But sometimes I'm like, I need to take the time. I need to teach them how to pick up their toys. I need to train them how to do this. I need to walk through this with them. And instead of reprimanding your kids right away, why don't you explain why that's a stupid thing to do. This is really dumb. Take the time. Be patient. Serve your kids. They're going to see that, that you're taking time with them. That's the next circle. How can you serve your children and show them Jesus in your service towards them? All right, next, um, this would probably be neighbors or people we visit at local stores. Are you a servant to your neighbors? One of the ways I try to do this, and I'm not perfect at it, again, it uh, depends on my schedule, but I, I get up and I try to shovel off the walks for the salon ladies who live below us so, so that it's all shoveled for them when they come in. It's not every time, but that's one little tangible way to do this. Another way is, is you can maybe bring your neighbor's um, trash cans back after you get yours from the curb. Another way you can do this is, is ask them, how can I help you? How can I serve you? I want, to, I, want to, I want to be a blessing to you as a neighbor. Another way to do this is just to be aware of who your neighbors are and know their names. Say, hey, how's it going? And actually know their name. That, that's really refreshing in a world um, that we live in today. How can you serve your neighbors? Um, what about people at the store? Again, they are people, okay? They're real people. And so when you go through a drive-thru and you're on your phone, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, what, whatever. Like, how would, how would you like that if, you, if they did that to you? Like, take the time, shut the phone down, look them in the eye, and actually interact with them. Shannon hates this because, like, it's funny when I'm talking to people at the store, like, and I just ask them simple questions. It's, it's amazing how they just wanted someone to tell. And they just start telling me all this stuff, and, and she's just like, what in the world? And like, do they know you? And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to be nice. And it's amazing how when, when you just try to serve the people in your life, you're giving them a glimpse of Jesus. You're showing Jesus. That's why we do those Love Works cards. That makes it an easy way to say, I'm going to try to serve others in my area. I'm going to use this LoveWorks card. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring the water out to the garbage man as he's putting my garbage in the trash. I'm going to thank him. Hey, here's a cold water. Thanks so much. Serving others in that circle. And next, here's a really tough category, our coworkers. You're like, oh man, you had to say it. Yeah, I had to say it. Okay, this is tough. Because in this world, we're all gunning for the better position. And really... To advance, we want to cut everybody else off, right? We want to bring them down. But what would it look like in your workplace if you were the servant? Again, I want to remind you, Jesus was God, <laughs> okay? So there really wasn't anyone who could go as low as he did. How, what would it look like if you served your coworkers? If you were a servant? You know how you can do this by remembering who you're actually working for? It's, it's not your boss, it's not for a paycheck, it's, it's Jesus. He's our master, he's our Lord. What did Colossians 3.17 says is we should do everything to the glory of Jesus. And when you have that priority straight, I'm first and foremost working for Jesus, he's a really great boss to work for, all right? And we can do things that maybe we wouldn't like to do for our, our boss because he's a jerk, but we're working for Jesus, okay? That, that's who we're working for. And so coworkers, your boss, how can you serve them? How can you show them Jesus? In your service. So as you go out through these, I think the last ring, um, which this may be closer, but I'm just using geography, really, is your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
um, throughout the week on Facebook. We've got that, that connect place now where you're getting to learn people um, and, and who they are and what they're going through and how can we pray for them, how can we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. And not just in our church, brothers and sisters in Christ all over. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters. We're family. Well, God has redeemed us. He's brought us into a family. And the world should look at the way we love and treat one another and just be in shock. Just be in awe of how we love one another. That's what it means to serve. And so I want you to do is walk through those concentric circles. Say, how am I serving in these different areas in my life? You may have your work cut out for you in that first one with your spouse. But, but don't stop there. How, how can I be more of a servant? And can I tell you there's joy in this? There's joy. Jesus said there is joy. By God's grace, I want to be a type of church who are known for our generosity and our love. In all the areas that we live, work, and play, that we are people who serve. We are people who, who we don't have anyone on our list that we refuse to serve. Remember, Jesus washed Judas' feet. Like, there's no one on our list that we can't serve. There's no task too low for us as Christians to serve. We as Christians should be humble servants, willing to pick up the towel, willing to meet the needs around us. And so in a sentence, my challenge for you today is show Jesus to those around you by serving them. Really simple. Just show Jesus to others by being a servant in the different areas that you live. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus says, Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, or in the Greek, slave. Verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, true greatness isn't about making a lot of money. It's not about having a lot of friends. It's not about running a big business. It's not about being well-known. True greatness, according to Jesus, is grabbing a towel, kneeling down, and washing the feet of others. Let's be servants. Let's show Jesus to those around us by serving them. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this challenge from your word. I ask that you would just use it, Lord. This is, this is a tough one. Lord, we want to be served. And, and, and in this culture especially, we're constantly being served. And Lord, it's tough to be the person, to be a servant, to be humble. But Lord, just help us to remember the gospel. The ultimate act of service, that you would lower yourself. Like Philippians 2 says, you would come, you would take on the form of a servant. And you would go even further, Lord, you would die on a cross for our sins. Lord, we don't want to do this out of, out of some duty or out of some guilt or something like that. Lord, we want to do it out of love, out of grace, out of, of just an overflow of what you've done for us in our lives. Lord, give us the grace, give us the strength to be servants this week where we live, work, and play. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.